this land if they live righteously. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. And in a way, it's an Articles of News episode, only we're only talking about an Articles of News. Uh, we wanted to give you an in-depth from beginning to end to where it is as of this recording, uh, detailed history uh, by from the guy who is always on the what seems like the uh, the ground floor of all of these stories, especially where extremism is concerned. We're talking about the Thibodeau case and joined by Nate Eaton from East Idaho News. If you have listened to the Cultural Hall for any length of time, you know that he is our Chad Daybell, Lori Vallow specialist. But crazy keeps coming to Idaho and you get to be a part of it. Yeah, right. I do. I uh, good to be here. I didn't think you know there'd be any other Idaho stories after Daybelt, but here we are. Yeah, yeah. Well, and don't count Idaho out. There's more to come that we couldn't even possibly fathom at this point. But please bless that no one gets harmed, as you know. Certainly, other cases have have demonstrated does happen. Uh, Thibodeau is where I want to start. I appreciate that you know how to pronounce it. I can't tell you how much I just want to yell. And scream when I have heard these different uh, podcasts that talk about the Thibodeau case, and they're like Thibodeaux, and I'm like, what in the world? I I might be able to say it, but it's hard to spell. I have to look it up every time. I need to spell it because it's a bunch of T H I B. I think I got it down, but it's French. It's French. If you don't know anything about this case, let's just start at the very beginning. You have had a particular insight. I've been. I'm always amazed at how. One, you're able to, when I'm thinking, oh, you know who I need to talk to, you've already talked to that person. And two, that uh, the way that you present it and can be, you know, literally on the cutting edge of so many of these things, people are looking to you to get the information. I, I just have to give kudos to that. But tell if I'm just coming to this and I'm going, Thibodeau, what are we even talking about? What is this? All right. So let me back up a little bit. During the Chad and Lori Daybell uh case over the past three or four years, I have received multiple emails from people saying, I have a friend who is uh, similar in, in the fact that they're obsessed with doomsday, end of days, prep prepper type stuff. Um, and, you know, often I, I get a, a lot of messages. So sometimes I'll respond, sometimes I don't, but, but it, I kind of get these messages. Uh, and so about two weeks ago on a Monday, I started to get messages like this that hey I, I there's a concern but it was more it was the fact that this woman named spring disappeared with her son named blaze who's 16 and her daughter named abby who's in her 20s and they met up with spring's brother brooke who's from utah they all met up in boise spring and her family are from arizona there's a lot of names and a lot of places there and and they were missing. They were off the grid. No one knew where they were. And so I was getting a lot of messages saying, can you, you know, please investigate? Can you please look into this? Well, now, normally, are these people like family members that are like, hey, this is someone I care about deeply or like, you know, this was a neighbor and I wasn't worried. But now, you know, they, they like their clothes were left behind and I think they've been risen, <laughs> brought up to the sun, you know. It was some family members. I think hmm. what happened was some of the family members put Facebook posts out there. So then people that didn't know them were also sending me the posts. Hmm. Um, normally when, you know, people vanish, we might wait a little bit, at least a couple hours. Cause a lot of times they're found and, and uh, 
th that wasn't the case here. The, the, the messages to please, you know, look into this kept getting louder Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, I said, all right, I, I probably need to look into this more. And so um, I reached out to Ben. Ben is married to Spring. Ben is Blaze's dad. Now, why the, the, the main worry, the main issue with all of this is you have a 16-year-old who disappeared. The rest of these people are adults. They can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. But you've got a 16-year-old. You'd still be worried about a missing person, but the fact that it's a minor kind of unks it to the next degree. Right, right. So um, I get on Zoom with Ben. And he starts to say uh, some very concerning stuff. And he's got documentation to back up that what he's saying is true as far as he went to the court uh, a week earlier and asked to basically file for divorce from his wife. And he mm. told me that years ago, his wife's spring, they had a great marriage, um, several kids. She started to become obsessed with end of days, uh, with the last days. And then she started to have visions and dreams and uh, was prophesying about things that were going to happen. She got big into Julie Rowe and following Julie Rowe. In fact, at one point, she was one of Julie Rowe's uh, scribes where she was writing down what Julie Rowe was saying. Tell people if they don't know who Julie Rowe is. Maybe that name sounds familiar, but they don't they can't put that in context. So Julie Rowe worked with Chad Daybell. Chad Daybell was her publisher. Julie Rowe had a. Uh, a um, life after death experience. She died, came back, she says, wrote about it. And the book was a huge success years ago. Big success. She wrote some follow-up books. She gained quite a following. She ended up being excommunicated from the church. Uh, her books made it on one of those lists that seminary teachers get about, you know, beware about, you know, quoting from this book. Mm -hmm. So she had quite a following. So this woman named Spring in Arizona has been following Julie Rowe. Well, Ben got concerned about his wife. Actually, he told me they went to their bishop and the bishop said, if you want to save your marriage, you need to stop, you know, this. She did for a time, according to Ben, but then she she went back to it and eventually started bringing in her daughter into this sort of way of thinking. And on that Monday morning of that week, um, she went and checked her son out of school. And the the Ben told me that he believed that they told she told her son, we're going on a birthday trip. His birthday was coming up. We're going to go on a trip. They then went uh, to pick up Abby, her other daughter, who had called her husband at work and said, you need to come home. There's an emergency, a medical emergency. So he rushes home. After a great weekend together, he said nothing abnormal mm -hmm. other than the fact that she had been saying a few months earlier, if, if we had to leave, would you leave? Like if we had to leave Arizona, would you leave? He said, well, yeah, if we were getting invaded by a military or something, of course I'd leave. He gets home. The ring doorbell's gone. A little odd. Goes sure. inside. She's packing. The house is a mess. She's got emergency preparedness type food. Um, she's saying, we've got to go. we got to go to Boise. He's like, what do you mean? She's, she's like, it's time. It's time. we got to go. He goes, I can't go. They discussed this. She, they had a plane ticket for him. She calls her uncle Brooke and Brooke gets on the phone with him and says, you are part of our group. You need to come here. The five of us, uh, you're part of this. It, it, and they, I guess he read him some scriptures and said a prayer and uh, Braden, her husband just felt uncomfortable about this. He didn't, 
he said, I can't go. No, I, I don't even know what's happening here. Where are we going to go once we get to Boise? She said, I don't know. You need to come with us. He goes, he says he had to get away from it. He went out in the parking lot. That's when spring arrives. Abby goes, gets in the car with their suitcases. They take off. He's texting her. She says, we will be back in a few years. I will look for you if you're still here. Weird. Yeah. He calls his dad in Utah, says, dad, I need you to come and be with me. This is what happened. He then calls Ben, who's at work, and says, our worst nightmare has come true. They're gone. He's like, who's gone? Blaze Spring Abbey. Ben calls the police, uh, files a report. We then learn in court documents that uh, Spring and her brother, Brooke, felt that Blaze was a Davidic servant, someone who was... Uh, plays a real special part in the second coming of Jesus Christ and will prepare the way. And, and they believe that he's royalty, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And all their phones were, were off. No one could reach them. He Brooke had withdrawn $150,000 in cash. He had written these letters to his kids saying, I it's time for me to go. Don't worry, just know. And it was his basically last will and testament, but a testimony, his testimony. Um, they had found a notebook that Spring left about, you know, her mission. How does she fulfill her mission for Jesus? So it was it was concerning. Um, so I do the interview with Ben. I do the interview with Brayden. We do the story. Uh, and in the court documents, Ben had expressed concern over the results of how the Daybell case ended up. The fact that Lori's two children died, were killed. And he he was worried about that. Ben was worried sick when I spoke to him. I mean, he he had come to Boise. He lives in Arizona. He came to Idaho to try to find his family. And he has other kids back in uh, Arizona. And he has a child on a mission. So he's trying to you know find his one son and make sense of this all. And um, we did the story and it, it blew up so fast. I think because of it's hauntingly similar to the Daybell case. Sure. It involves Arizona and Idaho. Yep. Um, it's bizarre. And uh, that happened. We posted the story, I think, on Thursday. Um, Friday, national media is calling them nonstop, calling me, you know, asking for, for their comment. Uh, police released a statement. The Gilbert police um, is kind of vague. Idaho police deferred to Gilbert. We were learning in the process that they had used their passports to get into Canada. Mm. And that they were being tracked, basically. But we, you know, we didn't report that at the time because it was they they didn't want them to be tipped off. Late Friday night, they're found uh, at a border crossing into Alaska. And if you if you look at the map, I should have pulled it up between Boise and this place in Alaska. It, it It's like from San Francisco up to Portland or Seattle. I mean, they drove a long ways through Canada up to Alaska. And fortunately, everybody was OK. Blaze was OK. And his uh, wife or his mom was taken into custody along with her brother. So Spring and Brooke are still in custody, charged with custodial interference. Um, well, and it's a, is it, does it become a federal thing because it's international, because they went from the United States into Canada? The FBI was definitely involved okay. in it. They haven't faced any federal charges yet, if they do. <laughs> um, but they the, the judge did issue 
an order before they were found that saying that the dad had the right to full custody of his son, which is how they were able to arrest them. And a lot of the people I've talked to associated with this case were saying Daybell was the big cause for that. In the past, you might have to wait. In the past, you're like, well, he's with his mom. We'll give him 48 hours, 72 hours, see if he comes back. But due to the fact that the writings were so concerning and that you have this Daybell case where it took a while to try to figure out where these kids were and to actually arrest them, they moved very fast to say she's breaking the law. And then they had the right to go to and get her. Mm-hmm. And um, and then Abby was there too, the young, the daughter. So um, that's kind of where it stands now. Uh, I'm told that Blaze is doing well. He's back with his dad. His mom and uncle are in custody and Abby is back with her husband and um, the family has been very quiet. They don't, they don't want any more spotlight on this, but I think sure. at one point it might be, uh, I think they might do a follow-up and it would be fascinating to, to, to see what there is that they would have to say, you know, how, I don't know how you mentally change someone from these beliefs and how long that takes if you even do because and we'll be interested to see what the court does with the mom getting back with the other children because who's to say she doesn't try this again sure so uh taking the kind of and i appreciate man you do such a great job about being able to be like here is you know where where this all comes from a few questions that i have along the way is it uh am i up in the night to think there was a thibodeau that was related to the daybell and Vallow case wasn't one of the witnesses in court or something like that. Wasn't there a Thibodeau somewhere along the line? No, not directly tied to the case, but we have been told that they are in the same stake as Melanie Gibb and Zulema Pastenis, who Mm. were key points in the Daybell case, key witnesses who were in the inner circle with Chad and Lori. So there wasn't necessarily directly involved in the case, but they knew a lot of people in the same area. And and the dad was concerned with the case maybe affecting his family. And then also uh, you mentioned that kind of the 150,000 that was withdrawn before all that a tremendous amount of money, as I understand, has been spent by each of the different families and that stuff to to be prepared. Right. To the to the point of you know, uh, maybe putting some of the other things that they should be financially taken care of at bay saying, oh, no, we have to have two years or, you know, bullets or guns or whatever the thing may be that they're prepping for. It was in the thousands of dollars in preparation for these things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. On on all counts. The one daughter, Abby, her husband said he she had bought thousands of dollars of like emergency preparedness kits. When I interviewed him, he actually held up a box of like some bars, some, you know, emergency bars that you eat mm-hmm. and his the what the mom spring had also done that they had they had so much winter gear uh like thick boots and thick coats and gloves and they live in arizona mm-hmm. so it was uh, they went to sportsman's warehouse and you know got all this winter stuff and that's what they were packing into these these suitcases which now if you look at it it made sense because they drove up through canada into alaska you're going to need that stuff I always wonder, Richie, if, if, uh, where would they have ended up? Mm -hmm. Like what was the goal? Were they going to go wait it out in the mountains? Just, I don't know, wait what out, but they assumed that something was coming and, and how long would they have stayed there? I mean, you always wonder where it would have ended up had, had law enforcement not acted so quickly. 
Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop computer and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. BestDJinUtah.com. You're right. It's a new ad. What? Well, it's been an entire season since I've recorded a BestDJinUtah.com ad. And well, the wedding season coming to an end at this point, but not really because what happens now is everyone who's going to get married in 2024 reaches out and says, Richie, is it possible? Do you still have this date? And I tell them, yes, hopefully. And then we get you booked. We'd love to be able to work with you. Uh, travel all along the Intermountain West. Some people call it the Jello Belt. Uh, you can go to bestdjinutah.com to request a quote. You can find us on any of the social medias at Best DJ in Utah, and uh, we can answer any questions. Affordable, yes. Over 400 five-star reviews, yes. Highest rated in the state of Utah, uh-huh, go on. It's bestdjinutah.com, and, and I'll give you a little hint. It, it also helps me to be able to do this, like financially support the cultural hall through that and you get something in return imagine running a small business today it's challenging imaging and internet presence is an absolute must even with that you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe now imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients imagine Lennon design whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation advertising media and promotional materials Lennon design is your partner in business They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. My mind also goes, I, I was listening to um, someone talking about the the uh, Lori Vallow portion of the court case. Obviously, since Chad doesn't go to court till April 1 of 2024, that's still scheduled to go at that time? Yeah, it is. Yep. Uh but the, where they were reflecting that they feel like um, with Lori Vallow that it was mental illness, um, you know, a mental health issue. And 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 I have sort of tried to wrap my head around um, some of this because is it this is not something that um, although these are kind of isolated incidents, we hear about things like this all the time. This is probably less reporter and then just being curious into kind of how you couch these things. Like, is this um, is this like uh, like brainwashing um, that exists as it would be defined? Is it a mental illness that makes people susceptible? Is it just a, a, a faith and a belief in God that anything could be possible that you could believe that then you are the select five that need to get to Alaska? Like, where do you, you think that a lot of this kind of can start to be rooted from. And I recognize that this is completely sort of a, a speculative thing, but I wonder what your thoughts are on that. I think it's a combination of all of it, of, of everything you just said. Uh, I have spoken with many people that are very close to Lori Vallow. And I, I think that there is mental illness there. I don't know the extent of it, I know that she was seen by seven or eight psychiatrists who all said, yes, she's mentally ill, um, but that doesn't mean that she's insane. And that doesn't mean that she shouldn't face a judge and a jury for the crimes that she committed. And that's mm -hmm. what happened. Mm -hmm. um, does she truly believe that she's a God, a Jesus? I, I think she might, I, but I don't know. 
Um, as far as this other case, I I, I don't know if it's uh, a mental illness that kind of becomes an OCD type thing, you know, where you become obsessed with certain things. Mm -hmm. There is there's always a fascination among a lot of people about the end of days. I would say sure. among most most people, you say, yo, that you know, there's weird things happening and signs of the times and things like that. But um, and and you know, a lot of times in church, people like to go down that road uh, and talk about, you know, the signs and whatnot. I mean, people make a lot of money off of this type of stuff. So I think it's just similar people in a lot of cases, finding similar people who believe this stuff. And, and then they just take it to the extreme, like in anything. Um, I do know that the the key point between these families was Julie Rowe. They, they mm -hmm. both mentioned that, and she has a following and and uh, she talks a lot about this stuff and has given her own prophecies. And, uh, you know, Julie Rowe came, I've, I've interviewed her one time. We didn't air the interview. Um, she came to our newsroom with her bodyguard and uh, sat. we sat down together and very nice woman. Um, and we ended up, the children, it was like the day before JJ and Tylee were found Ugh. at bed. And, I think the next day or the day after the kids were found. And so the interview was dated. It no longer served a purpose to, because a lot of what she said was not, uh, didn't happen. So um, yeah, anyway, sorry, that was a diversion from your question. Yeah. I, I think it's a combination of all of it. Hmm. And so then I also wonder, and you've probably talked with people about this, like what can people do or what should people do? You have people that reach out and are like, uh, this is going on in my family. Like what, what, are we to do? Cause I don't imagine that, you know, Braden, I think his name is with Abby. I think he's like, okay, well, listen, I love you. And yeah, we probably should be a little prepared for, you know, an emergency or, you know, I believe in a second coming. So yeah, let's be prepared. Like, how do you, how, how do you do that? What do people say that you can, you know, how do you step into that? I know. I, I know that's the question. And I feel so bad for Braden. He's this young newlywed couple they've been married for two years he comes home she's his life they do everything together and uh he she gets there and he gets there and she's like we gotta go and he's like well i don't want to go i mean put yourself in those shoes what do you do and so he, he texted with her i think what this family did was everything they did was was the right thing the fact that the dad immediately got an attorney Mm -hmm. filed an emergency order to have custody of the kids, didn't wait, stressed in the documents how serious this matter could be by referring to the Daybell case. Then they reached out to media right away. And um, I, again, I told you there was a little hesitation on my part of, uh, you know, is this really what it seems to be? And But in talking with them right away, I knew that this was a serious thing. And then we contacted the police, the media. Mm -hmm. It took about 12 hours to get a statement from them in Arizona. They sent me that statement at 1150 at night Jeez. after we had published the story. Um, I don't know why it took that long. So I think what they did was the right thing. As far as a personal relationship, I mean, I, I, I don't know. As, as we said earlier, they're adults. They get to choose. I, would this have been a story had they not taken the sun? Probably not. We probably would have said, well, they have the right to do what they want to do. If they want to go live in the mountains, is why is that newsworthy and let them do it uh, when you're affecting the safety of others, though, that's when it becomes a big deal. So I, I hope, if anything, what people can do now is that it starts some sort of discussion mm -hmm. among 
those of us that might know these type of people or have family members who are like, listen, you know, we're becoming a little concerned that you're really obsessed with this. Look how this ended up here or how Mm -hmm. this ended up here. And maybe some of these, you know, gatherings or conferences can maybe look at it and be like, we need to, you know, be real careful about what's taught here, what's examined here. Uh, Nothing against the prepper movement at all, because there's so many people that are into that that don't do this type of thing. So it's just these kind of isolated incidents, which unfortunately are very worrisome. Do you think that uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are maybe more susceptible to stuff like this? Well, I mean, it's it's part of the the teachings, the second coming to be prepared, you know, have the year supply of food, although I think that might have changed in recent years. Um, yeah, I haven't heard that in a good long time. Although I'm, you know, I've got 25 pound buckets of, uh, you know, wheat in the corner. I can I, open that up if I can find a wheat grinder. I grew up with my mom canning uh, ap- apple or mixing app, mixing, grinding applesauce, making applesauce mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and canning peaches. And we always went to the food storage and we had the buckets too. And I mean, it's kind of in, in the LDS DNA, which I don't think is a bad, bad thing to have, but anything in the extreme is bad. I, I don't know if other religions or faiths teach it as, as actively as the, the church does um, or did, but maybe, maybe it is, maybe it is the big thing too, are some of these books that have come out, which the church bookstores used to carry. I don't know if they do anymore that get a lot of people, you know, talking about the, about, you know, the end of days and doomsday type things. Yeah, we recently sort of chatted about it a little bit and um, like it's it's just such a like a sociological experiment, right? Life and just in general. But when we think about some of the things within the church, you can see where people could get there. You know, well, Joseph Smith was just a young boy and was selected by God and was able to see God, the father and Jesus. So why couldn't that be me? Right. I think people take that that leap. I'm not saying that I do that. I certainly, you know, uh, am removing myself from that. But then I also think that there's parts of, of LDS doctrine that I think it really is just a thing where I go, how do you get there? How do you get to where, you know, we've been married 18 months and pack up your stuff, we're leaving and going right now. Like, how do you get from, yeah, yeah, I believe Jesus is coming again to pack your stuff, we're leaving right now. And I also think things like... um you know, we we talk a lot about the story of Laban in, in the first part of the Book of Mormon, where it's like, listen, you wouldn't normally, but in this case you would, because, you know, I mean, you got to. And I I I just I it it makes me angry and fearful that there are the these people, whether it, whether um good-hearted or manipulative and trying to gain power over other people can go yep, there's this like this. And then if I, you know, kind of squeam and squirm this, then I can justify this. And now here we are, we got to, we got to head to the mountains of Alaska or, you know, the, the fields of Rexburg or whatever the thing is. Like I just, it, it scares me. Uh, and then looking around the pews going, is that someone who's doing this? Do I, how do I, what would I do to help that person? Right. And, and it's uh, fascinating because I remember when the Daybell case first broke, talking with a national news producer who was trying to figure out, okay, so wait, does, if, if Chad Daybell said he got a revelation to kill his kids, your church teaches revelation, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Your church teaches that you can get revelation, right? Yes. Well then 
Could he have gotten that revelation? Well, no. Well, but, but also and, there's a story of Lathan. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's that. And, and and Lori Vallow's on tape saying that she had, a, you know, planted in her heart, given in her heart that she needed to kill her husband. Uh, you know, there, there, so there, it is, it's that, it's that mix of things. I think that, um, I, I, I feel bad. I don't remember the guy's name, but we did, we did a big story when Daybell broke about the religious beliefs. Where did it come from? And we spoke with a scholar who teaches, I think at Utah state, who's, who described it as a church within a church. Mm. And I always like that phrase to be like the majority of the big church. You would hope the ones sitting next to a church aren't planning to flee to Alaska with a, with a one day notice or whatever. But there probably are some in there that might, you know, think about that or that might take it serious. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I think that we're hearing about it more or maybe maybe we're not. Maybe it's just these. I mean, we are hearing about it, but I don't know. Is it being practiced more? Is it is it happening more? Um, and of course, with the, with the Arizona and Idaho connection, which is similar to Daybell, that's, of course, why it piqued, piqued our interest here. Um so yeah, we'll 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 see if there's another one. Hope not. Yeah, geez. Uh links in the show notes to all of your fine reporting that you did, including that interview with uh Ben and and also with Braden. Um is it hard this on a personal note, is it hard these people are going through just these tragic uh, you know, times, these scary, these anxious ridden, like as a as a reporter, as another member, you know, mourning with those that mourn and being able to still be professional, is are those difficult scenarios for you? Um, what's interesting is that I went I went to CrimeCon. If you've never heard of CrimeCon, I've, I've been there three years in a row. It's a, it's it's not like people dressing up like murderers or whatever. It's <laughs> it's actually thank goodness, thank it's goodness. Actually, really, you're not allowed to dress up. It's the most thing you'll see is one woman had like crime tape on her shoe. That was it. Uh, but it's fascinating because they have prosecutors and detectives and uh, prominent uh, attorneys that have big, done big cases. Uh, but I moderated a panel this year about missing children, and it was with Gabby Petito's parents and uh, the mother of a missing young man from Idaho, and then the mother of a or the father of a young man from Arizona. Mm. All about these parents who have these kids that are missing and. And they just shared with me the the anguish of what happens when your child disappears. And so um, in the media, as it's always kind of been like, oh, someone's missing. If we don't cover runaways, that's kind of been the philosophy. Or we don't cover missing people unless the police ask. But it made me think in my head, um, maybe we need to do more to cover these missing people, regardless mm -hmm. of race, gender, sexuality, whatever. We need to do more. And then three weeks later, I this happens. And so while I could have just, you know, waved it off of, oh, it's just another weird one. I thought, no, I, they, they seem like they genuinely need help and are desperate for help. And hopefully it did it. It's, it's always so, so sad because you're waiting to see what's going to happen next. But the fact that they were found, they left Monday and they were found by Friday night. It, it was yeah. a, such a huge relief to, to have that happen the way it ended. With your connections with Ben and with Braden, are there, uh, do you have plans for a follow-up conversation to be like, hey, she came home. What is that like? Right. I would love to. I don't think they're ready yet. Yeah. Uh, I And I might might be some time. There's a lot of psychological stuff there, but I'm in, I'm in touch with them and, and they're both very nice. And um, yeah, I hope to, I hope to maybe in a year or so follow up yeah. and be like, you know, what happened. 
so invitation's always there. Yeah. And and then I guess the other thing that I get sort of curious about, and this is probably more on the personal side as well. Do you just find yourself when these things happen, um, just like life devoured into it? Because you almost, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, hey, babe, I know we were going to dinner, but uh, this and I'll see you when I come up out of the rabbit hole. Right. I just kept saying we can't have another day, Bell. We can't, that's a, that's taken, a, you know, four years and it's still not over. And so when this happened, it's like we I, I cannot imagine going through that all again. Um, but yeah, that, that took it. Yeah, it does. It kind of consumes you and, and you don't want to, um, you can't turn it off because as I said, I mean, I was, I, I, we were supposed to, it was my son's birthday the day after this story broke and all these national outlets are calling and we had to drive to Utah for something. And I'm driving at 1130 at night when I get the notice that blaze is found. So it's like, I got to pull over and update this story. So it does consume you, but, but, um, you know, I guess that's, that's part of the job. I just never expected to cover such, you know, big stories. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, oh. maybe it'll be calm for a few months, at least until April when Chad Daybell goes on trial. And of course, we'll talk to you uh, when that heats back up. Any chance that that could not go to trial? Or do we think because he's saying, bring the cameras in and let's do this thing that it's it's going to be all the dogs and all the ponies in that show? Yeah, it's interesting. He wants cameras. His attorney is fighting for cameras. Normally, defense attorneys don't want cameras. Um, Lori didn't, and cameras were banned. And so his attorney is going to make an argument. We at East Idaho News are joining with some other outlets to also ask for cameras. So the judge will have that hearing here in a few weeks. Um, and then if that's approved, you know, he he could up until the day of or even mid-trial suddenly changes plea to guilty mediation efforts to try to come up with some sort of plea agreement in the past have um, failed. They haven't gone anywhere with them. I know that if any sort of plea would revolve around him admitting to killing Tammy, his wife, and JJ and Tylee. And it seems as if the Tammy admission has been the holdup on a lot of these things that Hmm. um, he doesn't want, want to admit to that. So it could go all the way to trial. Um, by all accounts, it is. By all accounts, it doesn't look like they're trying to settle it. And then uh, kind of a circle back to the very beginning of perhaps all of this. What What is happening with Julie Rowe at this point? It seems like there was the big deal when she was excommunicated. Is, is she still doing a lot of the things as, as far as you know? Or is it just like, hey, guys, leave me alone and I'm going to just leave no, 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 no. my she, life? Her name, she's now Julie Barnett. She's remarried. Um I have I have not spoken to her in quite some time. She will sometimes call my colleague, whose name is also Nate, so that causes no confusion at all. <laughs> uh, but that she was talking to him for quite a while, thinking it was me. Uh, but no, she still does these things. She she advertises uh, these meetups, these groups. In fact, we wanted to go to one to cover about a year or two ago, and she said there would be a ten thousand dollar media fee. Hmm. We said we don't pay to cover events. We cover it for the media. And then she said, okay, well, that could be waived. But then there were so many restrictions on what we could and couldn't shoot that it just it just ended up not, yeah. not worth our time. Um, so yeah, she's still out there, still doing these energy healing type sessions. And I I haven't heard from her in quite some time. I don't think she's spoken out at all about this story. But but Ben, the Ben Thibodeau was very uh he made it a point to say that his wife 
started to become fascinated by reading the Julie Rose stuff and became so involved that she was transcribing Julie's stuff at one mm-hmm. point. One of her scribes, I guess. Well, the next time she does one, I'll pick you up and we'll go together and then we'll hit CrimeCon. <laughs> we'll just, we'll make a weekend. We'll hit it, it all, yes. <laughs> uh, if people want to find the latest and greatest from you, uh, tell them all the places that they should find and, and follow that. And of course, we'll link the various interviews in the show notes for this so that people have that. Sure. Well, eastidahonews.com, that's our, our website, but I'm also Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, X, not on TikTok, but. All as Nate Eaton. Is that how people find you? Yeah, you, yeah, Nate, Nate or Nate Eaton or Nate dot Eaton or Nate Eaton reporter. It's it's you you can find it if you're if you're desperate. If you look at it, you're like not nah, Eaton. Oh, Nate Eaton. That's what that is. Uh, you you can... know when I I did television for so many years, and the, the uh, one of the anchors had the hardest time saying my name. She called me Nathan. <laughs> and, and and I worked at a a channel. It was a channel eight. So my Twitter was N eight Nate Eaton. It worked so well, but now I don't work at a channel eight. Yeah, yeah. East Idaho yeah. News and the amazing work that you guys do, and always willing to uh, take a few minutes with me and say, "Hey, this is what this is all about." Uh, may we not talk for several months, but know that you are always welcome if there is something that we need to talk about. Nate Eaton, uh, I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we read.